Welcome to Supplier Experience Live from Hicks, where we explore all the latest topics, trends, and discussion points in the world of procurement, procurement technology, and supplier experience management. Hi everyone, and thank you for joining us for this episode. And today we say hello for a second time to Max Kent and Charlotte de Brabant, who were both on the show a year ago, and we were just talking there before going live about how we can't believe it's been a year already since our last conversation. Now, both Max and Charlotte have a lot of new things to update us on that have happened over the past 12 months. So, Max, why don't we start with you? What's new? What's your news? Okay, so uh, we've literally just launched our new procurement consultancy, um, PSLs. We launched at the NEC Birmingham um, yesterday. Um, new website is live and everything else. So that's been a huge amount of work over the last sort of two or three months to get that all together. But I've now got um, a great team around me um, and some of the people I've worked with for a long time. Um, one of them, uh, my co-director is Paula. Um, she's one of the greatest contract analysts I've ever worked with. So I'm really pleased to have some real talent working with me on um, what we're doing. It's very much niche and bespoke uh, contract pricing analysis um, for large corporates um, and suppliers. So really exciting times and um, just delighted to be working in my own company. Incredible. What a, <laughs> well, seriously, what an achievement after having been employed and now having your own company. Great work. Thank you very much. Yeah, it's exciting times. That's it. I can only echo what, what Charlotte says there. Congratulations. That's uh, that's a great step for, for this year. But Charlotte, all change for you as well, right, for, for 2022. So can you bring us up to speed, perhaps, on, on what's been uh, happening with you? Absolutely. I mean, in general, the year 2022 was a big success. I cannot complain with six books on the market and all my speaking engagements um, that have that have happened. But um, uh, as the end proceeded now to the as the year came to the end, I had another big change. I I'm st I stayed uh, in in tech, but I moved company. I left Amazon and joined ZF as their new head of IT partner management. So it's a global role, um, being able to learn more how to become that servant leader I desire to be, and also in parallel, I'm also the the head of IT governance in the US, um, based out of Boston. So. A big step also in my career. Congratulations to you too then. Thank you. <laughs> Going back into industry, right? So that's Absolutely. the best source where you can learn. Absolutely. Well, congratulations again to both of you. Really exciting times. And of course, talking of exciting times, 2022 was hailed as the year of the supplier. Well, We've reached the end of the year now, so it's maybe a good time to reflect on that. Still a lot of work to do, of course, but one of the activities that we undertook as part of the year of the supplier was a survey to find out the supplier's perspectives on what it's like to have large enterprises as customers. And the headline statistic from that report, 61% of them said that they struggled to do their best work for their largest customers. So a lot of lost productivity there but 61 percent max that's a high proportion does that resonate with you or what are your thoughts on that it, it really resonates um my career has really been and this is through choice i, I really wanted to learn this right through my career i started off as a buyer um in a procurement role in a procurement team and then 
um, worked with sales and went into a sales role, learned how to sell to procurement through that. And I've jumped from between the two disciplines through the whole of my career, really to understand and learn both sides of things. So I have been a supplier um, and know exactly what those challenges are. And it's, you know, there's there's probably two things with this. There's the integration and technology side of it. So there's the expectations of the company that um, that supplier is working with of how they integrate and all of the hurdles they got to jump just to be able to supply that company in the way that they've laid out. So that's one element of it. And the other element is working with procurement where, you know, procurement is, especially if you go back to the sort of old school procurement, it's very much about, you know, don't speak to the suppliers, don't have a relationship, you know, screw them down on price and um, make it difficult for them. And I think there's still some of that mentality exists. And that's what you're seeing there is you're not, um, there's this sort of disconnect between supplier and client where actually it should be a partnership and they should be, you know, su key suppliers should be looked after and treated with, um, you know, like royalty really, because without them, that company is going to find it very difficult. You know, they may have other alternatives, but, you know, even when I've worked in a competitive industry, um, in office supplies, you would think on the surface that a large corporate office supplies company um, is the same as another, but they all do different things. They all have slightly different service propositions and ways to interact with them and sectors that they like working with. So you can't just go, well, I could go to someone else. It's not it's not as easy as that, especially when we're talking about larger corporate deals and um, supply chain um, sort of in that in enterprises. It's there's there's so much more work that can be done with supplier partnerships so Absolutely. yeah it re definitely resonates it's not a surprise Absolutely. so so charlotte a bit more from the organization side 61 percent is still uh, quite a high number across the the industry so it, when you think of that statistic why do you think that is still such a challenge why are we experiencing these these challenges here uh, well, very good question. From an industry point of view, you know, I spent the last 15 years in procurement, always uh, playing this cat-mouse game and always being the bad guy and trying to get more savings. And when my career started in, in automotive, every little cent was was counted. We, we had to bring our savings, even if the suppliers were, I would say, close to tears. And I had that on multiple occasions. So, you know, United, I think COVID taught us to be more human, we we as especially being in uh, having having supplier relationships and being the buyer, it's not only about the numbers any longer. Um, we we saw that when during my time at COVID, I I worked at Johnson and Johnson and. Um, and, and, and the way we, we work together with our suppliers, uh, there, there was a massive shift because suddenly the supplier was in the lead. If a supplier only had 100 masks or 100 filters, who are they going to give these products to? That buyer who only squeezed them for every little cent or that buyer who was actually seeing them as a human, who listened to them, who listened to their ideas, who actually was there um, in if it's just private meetings or or um, or a phone call away, but who was there and who treated them as 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 someone important. So being that whole custom of choice element, I think COVID taught us especially how 
can we be that customer of choice? How do we work together? How do we develop our relationships? Now, you mentioned um, definitely the whole um, lack of productivity, productivity wasting due to systems, especially having um, that reminded me when you onboard suppliers, how complex is it for a small mid-sized company to sometimes join a large organization and going through that whole supplier onboarding process, wasting time and resources and having such a complex system sometimes for such a small PO, you know. So, um, yes, I do definitely see uh, the results resonating also from this industry uh, point of view and um, rethinking the role of procurement, rethinking how we collaborate and communicate, especially with our suppliers. So just on that point, Charlotte, yes, collaboration, communication, two such important words. So just to um, highlight another statistic here then to, to get your view on this, 60% um, of them, so very similar number, also said they spend far too much time on admin when serving their most important customer. Even you've, you've mentioned there right up front, perhaps in onboarding, for example. So um, I would like to unpack that number a little bit. Too much time on admin and then 47% say they struggle to get inquiries resolved. So just sort of at the next layer of detail, I guess, what do you think is driving that type of response in, in the survey? Is it about being more human? Is it the tech that's kind of what are your what's your thoughts here? Um, I, absolutely, the sixty percent. Um, I, I, I think I think that very much re resonates when you have these autonomous check-ins and you expect the supplier to, on a weekly basis, give updates and give status updates. And and the and although the supplier is is um, is it depends of course on the project and of course of the service that the supplier is is doing. But I can imagine by having this tedious onboarding of becoming a supplier, and then you have all these check-ins and all these admins um, just trying to repro reproduce information or showing results in different ways. But then these 40%, um, or you, you, you mentioned uh, 40 or 47%, 47, yeah, it's 47%, but it's, it's low enough. They just don't get decisions made. So they give these updates. They have these tedious updates. Um, if it's through Excel, if it's through internal systems, templates, company templates that they follow for one specific update. But then how do they get missing information? How do they get decisions made? And I think this is where, where the 47% very much resonates. And again, it's that whole communication scope of the project, defining what is it that they would like to achieve, clear communication on what the leadership expects. I know many suppliers spend hours coming up with, with some tracking tool, some dashboard, and then it says, oh, well, we imagined it differently. So this is where certain admin can be, uh, admin time can be reduced by having clear communication upfront, seeing the suppliers as an important entity and not just one of many. So Max, I'll turn to you sort of having heard that, I guess, um, and Charlotte mentioned their communication. Interestingly, communication was one of the top, if not the top pain point that suppliers were talking about. Now, you'd think it might be more tactical things like we'd just like to be paid on time. It wasn't. It was all around that communication aspect. And tech should be solving this, right? So Max, yeah. I, I guess from your perspective, hearing what Charlotte's just said there, um, what is the supplier experience of this and and what are i guess some of the the steps that you would like to see being taken 
um, towards resolving some of these issues. Oh, I mean, I couldn't agree with Charlotte more. It's just brilliant to hear that that's how procurement, you know, in 2022 is thinking, because that's the world I'm in. And it's so different to how it used to be when I was a supplier. And some of the things Charlotte was saying there were just putting me back in that sort of space where I was thinking, oh, gosh, the amount of work we used to do. So reports was one thing. Uh, you talk about admin. I mean, the reports that we used to get asked to provide for customers um, when I was in one particular role were massive. They would take we'd get raw data files through and we'd have to format them all into You'd have templates where you could build sort of MI reports for customers, but invariably they'd never be in the quite quite the right format. So the larger customers would be quite demanding with this sort of stuff, very demanding in fact, and sort of say, well, I need my reports to look in a certain way because I've got to report back on this in a certain way. So I need you to basically do the work for me. Um, some of those reports could take weeks to build and a lot of the time you'd hand them in and you'd go to a review meeting and the, and the uh, procurement would say, I didn't even look at it didn't even have a chance to look at that thanks for sending it in though and you just think well what's what's the point you've just there could have been so many other things that I could have done for you that would have actually improved the service we offer you or you know there's only so much time we can spend working with each client and it's either reports that you don't look at or things that will actually help you so you know let's work together on that so those are the steps it's kind of let's work together it's that key partnership again of going we would we could do so much more for you if we could just talk to you and the responses talk about 47 percent of responses it was almost we used to feel that procurement were trained to not respond to you know literally ignore you because they saw it as you're trying to build a relationship and it's not i'm just trying to tell you how i can help you so it's I just and i completely resonate with you because you know i spent my first i would say 12 years in procurement, being in that demanding seat and always expecting, expecting. But then the last two years have actually been on the other side working at Amazon. So yeah. I've been receiving all these, all these <laughs> demands. And I just thought they haven't even looked at my reports. And you spend hours dealing with 120 different customers. So now being back in that other seat, I'm a lot more cautious when speaking with partners, with vendors, and I know the time that goes in. And that's why I try to now, before kicking off any project, have an actual maybe one or two kickoff meetings on exactly what is it that I desire to achieve, what is the scope, and what of what kind of communication are we expecting? Which is fantastic, and that's all the suppliers want. That's all they they just want that you know two way street right. where you can we can have a relationship, we can be open about things. This thing I can't deliver for you. I'm really sorry. Right? Okay. What's the solution? Not oh, I can't even tell you that because I'm worried what you how are you going to react? You might say oh, we're going elsewhere. Then you know that's not a basis for any kind of meaningful relationship. So you take it back to the human element, yeah. that's that's just lack of respect, isn't it? Yeah. So why would you, in a pandemic, give your masks to the one that's treated you in that way when there's plenty of other people who probably have treated you in a better way that you're probably more likely to help? So it goes a long way. Um, and I, yeah, it's, it's, I totally agree with you on all of those. It's just if procurement and suppliers can work together like this in that sort of way, then that just makes a huge difference. And, and I think you did the right thing. Like it's the same as my career. You know, when you worked at Amazon, you work, you walk a mile in the shoes of the supplier then, don't you? And when you take that back to the procurement role, you look at it all in a totally different way. Exactly. And that's exactly the, the, the stage I'm at. Yes. <laughs> 
And just on the, the point around the um, picking up on the communication aspect rather than the payment on time, is this also a sign of suppliers also wanted to, wanting to be more strategic in those relationships? Because we talk about procurement moving from being less tactical focused, more strategic. But is that also on the supplier side, would you say, Max, that, that there's the desire for that better engagement? You, you mentioned improving service, for example, all of those kind of things. I think that's always been the case. I think suppliers have always wanted to be more strategic. I think it's not really rocket science. I mean, it depends what you're, what you're selling in or what you're providing. But normally it's just a case of we've got a service pro proposition that does all of this you're generally buying 10% of that or you only understand 10% of what we do we'd love to come in and tell you about more of that but as soon as we say that you put your defenses up because you think that's a sales pitch and um that that i think is the problem is that procurement are really only just with with these kind of things where you've got people that have been jumping across between roles and really understanding how the two fit together how the buy and sell relationship actually works how that human interaction fits together that's the bit when you really understand that that's when this starts to really work and i think it's just that shift in mindset now that's happening um it's great to see but i don't think i don't think the suppliers have ever really shifted from the position they always wanted to have a better and more strategic relationship with everyone they work with and they're doing that all the time to try and get them that's half the problem is they're not being listened to so um, key phrase there, Charlotte, that Max has mentioned that walking in the shoes of the supplier. So from your experience, has that happened enough in the past or is it something that's increasing now? What are you kind of seeing in terms of um, organisations really trying to, to do that? And I guess on one aspect, it's walking in the, the, the shoes of the supplier from a, uh, we've spoken about it here, a more human point of view, being able to be a bit more uh, empathetic, but equally, there's a lot of tech being de deployed in procurement at the moment and I guess another in enlightening thing would be have we ever tried to go through what a supplier goes through when you mentioned onboarding earlier or when they're navigating the, the tech landscape but for you Charlotte walking sh in the shoes of the supplier is that something you're seeing more of is it becoming more important what, what's your feeling there? Absolutely I do see it becoming more important for example um, from an industry organization point of view, I have seen that, for example, uh, they have certain companies have actually restructured the onboarding process for a supplier. So if the supplier has a certain amount of spent, uh, then it the, 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 the whole system, the whole approach of onboarding would become more simpler if it's really just one PO or if it's a smaller amount of spend or even smaller business. Why? make it so complicated and um, and I have seen uh, the for example in collaboration with the master data team of different organizations where they define certain bandwidth and also I mean think about all this whole transformation that we've seen um, more expectations with a supplier we are asking suppliers to come with certain ecovada sustainability ratings or certain um, uh, certain engagement having their own their own established supplier sustainability program in place or supplier diversity and inclusion program in place 
um, supplier risk program in place. Big, big topic, especially during COVID. We've seen a drastic amount of cybersecurity threats happening more and more, fraud. And how are the suppliers that we collaborate with protecting themselves? And if it's a small, mid-sized company, we cannot necessarily expect them to have such a big allocated budget to have their own risk mitigation plan. So we need to guide them. We need to help them. And that, of course, um, also stresses the the change that in, in terms of the supplier onboarding. So I think these are definitely questions that we are asking ourselves and we need to be there for our suppliers and guide them. And we cannot just tell them what is your Equivadis rating? What is your CDP rating? Uh, what kind of percentage do you collaborate with women-owned businesses? And all these, all these statistics, um, we just need to really speak with the suppliers understand where does the journey go to how much invest can we expect the supplier to do on behalf of us you know right that's a massive problem because if if you if you want to work say a company comes to you and they've got the best solution for your company in the world but there's they're a one-man band and they've just started and you go you need an eco of artists you've got all these regs to work with us you can't work with us otherwise you know i've got cash flow to pay for that but you need what i've got so how do we work together it's just that barrier is removing those things, isn't it? Otherwise, how does anything move forward? Exactly. And at the end, we have so many suppliers. There's no perfect solution. You were, you were mentioning, especially the tech space. Mm. So many systems around us. Of course, there is no solution and no system that for everything. There is no perfect for everybody that covers no. everything. We will have specialists. We have special uh, experts who are working day and night on providing that one solution for you in this one specific field. But then again, these are maybe one-man businesses, as you name it. So you cannot expect that one-man business suddenly to bring all these ratings, to bring all these statistics, all that funding. So you need to communicate in order to understand where is it that they stand, how much risk experience do they have. If they don't have a risk mitigation plan in place, do benchmarking with them and guide them. And how do they collaborate with their suppliers? So I think this is very much um, in a, a field that more now, more than ever, we need to speak to each other, collaborate with each other and, and actually guide each, each other. Yeah, it almost feels like the larger companies have a sort of duty of care and a sort of stewardship of the smaller companies to help them get to be a supplier of choice. It's kind of like that's your, they're not going to have those things in place, but it's almost like that's your responsibility to help them get there. Exactly. And by communicating the vision, the mission of certain programs of where the journey will actually go. Yeah, totally agree. Uh, and Max, just on the picking up on that that tech point, because um, mm. I put the question to, to Charlotte, but I guess it'd be interesting to know from a supplier's perspective, uh, and Charlotte was mentioning the, the um, multitude of different systems so you need to know what to log into in order to complete which workflow, all of those kind of things go on. It'd be interesting to know from a, a supplier's point of view, what tech could do for you. So, and here I'm thinking things perhaps like self-service automation, all that, you know, duty of care piece, which is yeah. um, so that we can focus more on the human aspects. But if you had a kind of magic wand, I guess, what's what's not working in the tech space that could be better? Yeah, integrations, first of all, is the first thing I would say, because everyone's trying to integrate with everyone else. There's all these different systems. You've got the big 
systems out there that go, we do a one-stop shop, but actually behind the scenes, we've got cobbled together of, of acquisitions and amalgamations. So you can do that bit, but if you want to integrate with that bit, that's someone different. And then you have to have a consultancy to fit the two together. And the suppliers are sat in the middle of all this going, we just want to deliver the product to you or to deliver the service and receive the purchase orders. So that simplicity in the onboarding process is one thing. The integration of, you know, how does that supplier interact with that particular customer dependent on what system they've got in place or what version of that system is, is a massive minefield because you just don't know what you're going into. You could, you could receive a tender or a sort of application to quote for a piece of business. And then within that tender application, and we do this in the procurement consultancy, we'll work with the customer and say, okay, you've got, um, I don't know, it could be anything, Proactis or, or Cooper or whatever you've got in place. Um, we'll specify that in the tender document and then say to the supplier, you, as part of the submission document, you have to say that you can integrate, you have an integration with that platform. Now, for the bigger suppliers, again, that's probably a given. They probably already have that with any other supplier that might actually be the best fit for that project, they might not have that integration and it precludes them from winning that business when actually they would be the best choice, um, which is a, a real shame. And that's, a, that's a, so integrations that could be done more cheaply, more efficiently, easier, less friction. I saw um, some technologies around screen scraping and um, doing punch out via and sort of not a non-integrated punch out. So it basically scrapes the basket and pulls that back into the purchase order system. I've seen some technologies out there that are doing that. And that's the sort of game changer because it's a low friction, very cheap way of doing a punch out integration with a supplier. And actually they don't have to pay for CXML integration, all that sort of, all the more complex stuff. So those where where technologies are, being, are getting more advanced and becoming more streamlined and efficient, that's taking it downstream and making it easier for the smaller suppliers. But I don't think it's quite there yet, but it's certainly happening. And I guess, Charlotte, for, for, for you, um, thinking again about the, the, the tech side of things in terms of uh, more what problems could it solve, when suppliers are giving you feedback, have you kind of heard that from them, that, that point that Max is making? Absolutely, there is a there, there is a very big need, especially the whole self-service element. Um, I think, though, also looking ahead uh, with self-service marketplaces, um, actually autonomous negotiation, autonomous procurement, so that we will have certain elements, certain categories, maybe MRO, maybe office supply, that we don't need to negotiate any longer. We can actually just have an autonomous marketplace in place when uh, there is either the 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 the, the limit is reached for some mro elements or um, that it will autonomously uh, the, the system over the marketplace will autonomously reorder these goods or even us as buyers that we will have certain marketplaces that already take into account the marketplace but then also other pre-negotiated catalogs and then it will order that element but with the best uh, the best price. And I know that there are solutions on the market uh, where you have integrated search solutions and where they actually take into account certain um, functions that you have your catalog prices, you have the market price, and then the system automatically uh, orders uh, or does the PO for you with the lowest price. So definitely, and this will help 
um, us as a profession, as procurement professionals, go away from these tedious uh, exercises of, of, of reordering, but actually making use of technology and really leveraging the whole technology aspect and being able to reposition procurement more in a strategic role, how we can leverage more technologies, how we can make procurement even more autonomous. And, um, and this is the beginning that many organizations are actually in. And I think right now we have we have great struggles, especially I would say in, in procurement supply chain management, about but also cross borders where you have a high fluctuation rate. Talents, there's a big talent crisis. We cannot find enough talent, so technology can actually help us to overcome this talent crisis and make use of our talents and really show them how they can create large impact by being an SME for a certain technology integration, but by also um, leveraging these talents to think more strategically rather than just what I used to do when I started in, in procurement, just having uh, hours and hours of, of creating POs and then printing out the POs and putting them into the envelopes and then sending them off. And um, I remember this time like it was yesterday. I think I will never forget that time. <laughs> just thinking about this, the I, I just wondered if you were to do um, a supplier satisfaction survey, for example, of, of some kind, because we've spoken a lot about different technologies being used for different purposes. But if you were to say, if we were to look at this from the supplier's perspective, um, what would be some of the key things now that you would want to put into a supplier satisfaction questionnaire, let's say, in order to get some of this feedback? So how, how do you think we could dig into this a little, a little bit? I would start by by using by the low hanging fruits and in the supplier satisfaction questionnaire survey, I would actually go more into what is the collaboration, what does it look like right now with the buyers? Do they feel that they're being heard? Do they feel that they are creating impact? At the end of the day, the, our suppliers are our experts in that specific field. Do they get a chance to present their ideas to the buyer one time, to the procurement team? Have they even had a chance to be heard? And so these are really, I would say, low-hanging fruits, how we can start asking the suppliers, how well are they integrated in the procurement process? How, how early on does a procurement professional integrate these suppliers? And I remember at various different roles and positions that I've held within my career, one of them, I was in charge for the global energy procurement to make sure that that company I worked for, 980 sites globally had enough energy to, to work with. So what did I do? I, I could have just automatically in my first week uh, extended all of the contracts like we've had it for the past 50 years. Or I went on and asked, hey, why, why do we have so many vendors? Why can't we have one or two energy service providers in order to help us with the communication aspect, but also help us uh, keeping track of, of what's going on globally? So what did I do? I went right at the very beginning of the RFP, before I even launched it, and I invited 77 suppliers on one call, and I just explained our scope, our vision, our mission, and they were able to see each other, they were able to partner each other, use their vivid imagination to come up with a solution, with a tech solution that will be sufficient to cover 980 different sites. So I, I say, I mean, there is 
there are different ways. How early on do we engage the suppliers with? So coming back to your question, I would encourage a survey if it hasn't been on anyone on, on your radar yet and and ask about the whole communication element with the procurement with the buyer, but then also with the team, have they spoken to the C-level? Have they had a chance to be heard? I know many companies, they have also the top 100 supplier uh, awards. So maybe this is something, have they been informed about the award? How can they win such an award? Because this actually um, increases intrinsic motivation to be that supplier of choice and mm -hmm. us being that customer of choice. It's a give and take in this environment. Right, right. And, and you mentioned customer of choice there. So, Max, I want to bring you in here in, in terms of the, the, the supplier perspective, because this is turning its um, the, the paradigm on its head a little bit. But I just wondered, have you ever seen, a, a, um, let's say, a how are we doing as a customer kind of questionnaire that goes out to, to suppliers? Is that something that, that you've encountered before or do you think it would be valuable if uh, if there was such a um, turning of the table so to speak I, yeah i think that would be absolutely fantastic i've never seen it before um I, certainly when i was a supplier we used to send out customer satisfaction surveys all the time you know every couple of months and that was part of the sla that we agree that we'd have to send that around all the end users would get the feedback and we act on that and report back on it and it worked really really well it's brilliant and crucial feedback but having it the other way around absolutely and it was always felt that certainly when i was a supplier that you would never ever ask a customer that question because it was you know the relationship wasn't there they didn't have that two-way partnership where you could even feel like you were in a position to ask that so you know even with the largest contracts it was always very much every review was kind of have we got through it is it all right? You know, are they going to kick us out or not? Have we done anything wrong? But it was never on the other side of, of we as a customer treated you as a supplier correctly. Have we done the right things? Could we do better? Um, I mean, uh, that's that's what a great idea. It's yeah. absolutely what and, we should do. And as a follow up to to that great survey to, to all these results, we could even think about creating uh, how does the best survey look like? How would yeah. a survey look like? And um and have some sort of template and do some sort of benchmarking to see how are others going about yeah. it. Yeah, because you wouldn't know. And they might turn around to you and say, well, actually, we work with this other company yeah. and they treat us a lot better. But it's it's only for these certain things. It could be three or four things that you, you need to change. And actually, the relationship's as good as we have with other people. But you wouldn't know that unless you asked. I'm just thinking through on that point because I think definitely the next step is to look at what some of these um, ideal uh, surveys would look like that, that we want to put out to suppliers. Do you think if such an approach was taken, the, the suppliers would feel empowered enough to be able to give the the honest feedback? Because obviously, as you've mentioned, there is that that other, I guess, pressure here to sort of say the right thing to, to the customer. But if a, if a customer approached the suppliers and said, look, we're doing a um, an assessment actually of let's say that the tech landscape and how easy it is for, for you to navigate would, would they give that honest feedback in in that type of scenario or is there are there some sure. barriers still there yeah for sure they would i mean they're just dying to be asked that question i, I would imagine and certainly putting my supplier hat on you you're dying to be asked those questions and you're you can't wait to have those strategic conversations with your with your clients and it, like the well you said here it very rarely happens so yeah, I'm all for it. 
can have an autonomous answer as well. So I think with honesty and with, with uh, courage, I think that's the last concern. That I think it is it, over the just over the last two, three years, we've gone through a whole tremendous revolution of, of how we communicate and and how we and how this profession has had to restructure itself. I mean, supply chain management is in everybody's mouth right now. So I agree with Max. They're dying to be asked that question. Absolutely. And, and just on that point then, Charlotte, um, what do you think the benefits of listening to the supplier's perspective will be? And here I'm thinking we're, we're talking about now that evolution. So the evolution of the procurement function for the future, they can learn lots from their suppliers. But what do you think some of those uh, key learnings will be that will help procurement perhaps um, evolve themselves in the activities that they do? Well, I think I, I think if, if you ask me how procurement, the function will evolve, well, I think it will become a very attractive place for, for talents to want to join. It seems like it seems like a place of fairness where people are being heard, listened to, where you can create impact over generations, over technologies. And that's what the whole world is seeking to be. I think this will be the most incredible, fascinating and interesting function any talent would want to join. And that's why I think if we open up that whole door, speaking to our suppliers, speaking to our experts, listening to the experts, letting the experts have a voice, having great technology integrations happening within your organization, having technologies um, over marketplaces autonomously being being implemented, having having all of that in place, this will trigger talents to want to join that profession and to be part of the change of the future. Absolutely, fantastic. A, a passionate re response to, to that question. So I'll, I'll put it to you, Max. Uh, having heard that, putting the supplier at the heart of everything you do as an enterprise, what's the mutual value going to be here? Because we are talking mutual benefits and we're circling right back to the beginning. We're, we're talking about the development of, of those more deeply integrated partnerships. Yeah, I mean, I completely agree with Charlotte. I'm obviously from from the UK, so I'll be slightly less enthusiastic with my response. But, you know, I'm, I'm fully with you on, on the sentiment of it all because it's that it, it's exciting place to work if the right things are in place, if your company that you work for understands really what procurement can do and what it brings to that company and the organization beyond just cost savings and i know that everyone on you know linked in the moment is talking about you know procurement's not just cost saving that argument always comes back around it, it, there is cost it is an integral part of it and it has to be so we can't get away from that but there is so much more and i think it's that holistic approach to all of this and saying there is the function of procurement and what does it really do um, when you look at it from the way Charlotte's put it across and that all of those um, your great things that it does offer beyond just looking at the transactional process, the technology side of it, the integration, how this all fits together and how it affects all of the organisation um, and touches all the people within it. You know, the procurement is one of those roles where it feeds into every other department everyone's got something to say about it and it and it can affect everyone positively or negatively so the the more positive that could be the better and and i think that's all through that collaboration with suppliers and all of that real understanding of who are we working with and what are the good things they bring to us and let's optimize that and and bring out more of it um and like you say charlotte that will attract people from outside of the industry the real kind of talented people that 
had not considered procurement as a career before, but actually now look at it and go, well, this is different to what I thought it was. And it is exciting now. There is a lot more technology. There's more things that I can get my teeth into. So I want to look at roles and that's what we need. And that will be, and, and like this, we can open doors for talents to create impact. And as Gardner said, actually, that 20% of well, the more impact they, they are able to give, 20% of creativity is going to go up. So you'll have more intrinsic motivation, more, um, more passion behind that profession. And that's what we need. Absolutely. I think impact, that's a really nice kind of key word to end on there. It's almost set you up for 2023, right? To, to think about that as a theme, which is how, how do we make the impact now that, that we want? So um, the, the times, Flown by, so we've kind of reached the the end of the uh, the, the time that we have today. So, um, thanks once again to both of you for uh, for for joining us today. And I'm sure um, everybody will want to continue this this discussion. So I'm just going to end on asking you asking you both. I'll, I'll start with you first, Charlotte. Um, where's the best place to to get hold of you? And I know face to face is back as well. So. Um, are, are you going to be on the road a little bit next year? Uh, what, what does 2023 look like for you? Absolutely. I'll be on the road commuting a lot between Europe and the US, but you will find me always responding to you via LinkedIn or via my website. Um, I'm always reachable. And same question to you, Max. Obviously, um, you've got uh, lots on your plate for, for 2023. So yeah, just a, a final word on uh, what you're up to next year. Okay, so I am um, running the PSL business. We'll be working with hopefully more and more education and public sector UK customers to help them save money and outsource some of their procurement on the really difficult uh, data-driven roles that they, they haven't got the time, resource or, or need to do. You can find me on LinkedIn. I'm also um, doing leadership and um, sales development coaching um, and training for aspiring business development people. Um, so I'm really excited about going into that role as well. So I'm um, two sort of sides to the business that we're running, but very exciting times. You can find me on LinkedIn um, and also through the new website um, for PSL. So um, look forward to engaging. Fantastic. And, and just to anybody listening in, um, all of those details will also be in the podcast notes. So do check those out and uh, make those connections. But uh, uh, yeah, thank you, Charlotte. Thank you, Max. And it was great to catch up again. Welcome. Thank you for having us. Thank you very much, Duncan. Thanks, guys. See you soon. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please don't forget to hit the like or subscribe button. Or for more information about us, visit our website, www.pix.com.